0: From the studios of 2SER in Sydney, Australia, to the world, this is a Gay Waves podcast, proudly produced on Gadigal Land. Today I'm speaking with a director, a producer, a writer, and he is currently directing the King's Cross production of the queer Asian Australian production of Rhomboid. Welcome to Gay Waves, Sammy Ying. Hi, yeah, um, pleasure to be here. Thanks for having me on the show. Thanks, Sammy, appreciate that. Um, Can you tell us a bit about uh, your journey into theater and theater directing? How did you get involved with that?
1: Yeah, so I've always loved theater ever since I was little. Um, Mum always took me to see shows. Um, We had a movie on every night at home. And so, um, I fell in love with stories and storytelling, um, ever since I was really young and we'd always, mom and I would always talk about the, the movies or the shows afterwards. And we'd always go, oh, wouldn't it be better if they did that? Wouldn't it be better if they did this? Um, and then we'd always finish the conversation with a bit of a joke, like, oh, we should be in charge. It would be so much better. And, um, when I was, Uh, When I went to university, I kind of, I didn't know anything about directing at all. Um, And I took a class on a whim just to see what it was all about. And turns out it was basically those conversations I had with Mum growing up all those years. Uh, But actually making it happen. And so, yeah, I realized that was what I wanted to do. And it's kind of been, um, it's kind of been smooth sailing ever since. So...
0: Yeah. Yeah. Now, you actually went to university in Canada, I believe, at the University of British Columbia, and uh, where you graduated with honours in theatre. Uh, was it theatre studio? No, theatre. in theatre studies, yeah. yeah. Studies, yeah. Um,
1: yeah, no, I... Um, yeah, I was in Vancouver, so British Columbia, West Coast, West Coast. Yeah. Um, and, uh, yeah, it was... It was a big change of pace, because I grew up in Hong Kong. Mm. Um, What uh, I, you know, born there, finished high school there. um, And then I moved to Canada because I wanted to get away. I didn't know what I was trying to get away from, but I just wanted to go somewhere new and explore. And uh, yeah, and Vancouver kind of uh, gave me a lot of really cool opportunities to do some really amazing things. um, I'm a huge ancient Greece nerd uh yeah and said so that's what i did my uh my honors uh, dissertation on it was ancient greek theater and um how it informed the legal system of the time
0: and yeah so she's a bit of an academic yeah i was going to ask you about that because one of your specialities is ancient greek theater and i was going to say mm. how does a kid from hong kong studied in uh, canada and australia Get involved in ancient Greek theater. I mean, that's a huge jump, isn't it? <laughs> I mean, if you've seen the two thousand
1: and one animated Hercules movie, oh, I think um, that's all the explanation I need. <laughs> but yeah, I, I mean, it was it, it was something that really captured my imagination. It was it was a so familiar yet so uh, foreign and alien, um, and it like the stories of heroes and. Um, the this amazing world of mythology. It just really, um, it really captured something uh, within me, some form of like escapism of um, a, like a, a better, more heroic world. Um, and yeah, it was, it was um, something I, yeah, the little kid in, still inside of me is uh, still geeks out about that kind of stuff.
0: Yeah. So it's, uh, does that influence your storytelling to this day? It's like, do you want a chorus with everything, or? I, <laughs>
1: uh, I mean, yes. Um, it's yeah. always a tough sell, but, <laughs> yeah. uh, yeah, no. I it does influence the way that I work. I do. I, I've kind of discovered while working on Ron that I, um, that I direct quite musically. I've got a little bit of a dance background, and a lot of it is influenced by movement and um, corality, that's a fancy word for you, yeah. um, and, uh, and music and having things be timed out and, uh, yeah, it just, I, I'm realising that a lot of, um, yeah, a lot of that influence does seep in, even without me necessarily realising it while I'm doing
0: it. Yeah, and you moved from, uh, Vancouver back, to, you moved to Australia and you studied at NIDA, Australia's yeah. premier, acting and, um, theater school and you studied the master of finance in directing. Why Australia? Why did you make a move to it from Canada to Australia? Uh,
1: well, um, I, I've always been an Australian citizen, um, right. despite my accent. Um, yeah. Mum's a local Sydney gal, uh, and dad moved here in the eighties and they met at Sydney uni and, wow. um, yeah and so i've always been australian but i've i've just my accent has never reflected that Mm. but yeah and so um when i moved here when i moved here it was uh i I moved back in with family as opposed to when i moved to canada and uh, i was kind of going solo um but it's been really warm and welcoming and i i really really like it here
0: yeah. And I mean, obviously, because you're a guest lecturer at NIDA now as well. Mm. And Now, am I right in saying you only graduated from NIDA this year as well? Uh,
1: yeah. I, I mean, I kind of started uh, in 2021. And so um, a bit of Miss Rona shenanigans um, got us, yeah, got things a little bit delayed. Uh, but yeah, I, um, my, I guess, uh my show off moment is that, uh, I did my, yeah, I started working there, uh, before I graduated. So I was still technically a student, um, by the time I started working there, which is a huge privilege. Um, and one,
0: it's an amazing, um, achievement as well.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Um, it, it felt kind of funny at my graduation ceremony when it was like, wow, it must be nice to finally leave. And it's like,
0: no, I'm back on Tuesday. <laughs> <laughs> and I mean, besides, because you do lecture in classical Greek uh, theatre, um, mm-hmm. the other side of it, though, is uh, you lecture in East Asian performance as well. Mm. Um, how, how does your uh, Chinese Hong Kong background influence that? And how has it influenced your um, theatre career?
1: uh it's been a huge influence uh so dad's um dad's from mainland china and uh my grandparents don't speak a lick of english uh, i think the only word they can say is no um so uh yeah uh, i had to learn chinese to in order to speak to them mm. and i'm still i would say i'm fluent but not native speaker Um. But yeah, um so uh, 大家好, Sammy. 谢谢, uh, uh, 谢谢听我的, uh, Anyway, um, <laughs> yeah, so that's me. Um yeah, and it's been a huge influence. Like like I think despite appearances, I lived like some of my most, my most formative years from, you know, childhood up until I was 17 in Asia. And hmm. so um like that's how I was socialized and And it was definitely like an interesting, um, experience, like growing up in like an Asian colony. Um, and then, yeah. And that brings with it all sorts of interesting kind of implications with that, uh, and a very worldly international kind of experience that comes with that. Mm. Um, but yeah, so I've always been really interested in telling, um, stories where cultures meet, um, the intersection of uh of things that might not necessarily fit together um but somehow um sing harmoniously when they do and Mm. just yeah it's something uh it's something that is really important to me and um just noticing those little connections those little patterns in Mm. um difference, and recognizing the harmony within that
0: yeah now talking about um sort of a symbiotic relationship uh rhomboid it seems like you're perfectly suited queer asian australian um Mm -hmm. tell us how you got involved in the project yeah so um
1: it's all started back um, when kxt king's cross theater was actually situated in king's cross um currently it sits um on like on it's kxt on broadway near broadway shopping center but um, before they did the big move, uh um, the writer um, by the name of Eric Jang, uh, he was part of their artist development program called Step Up, and uh, they were given an opportunity to do some kind of showcase or showing or something, and they were given the space. And uh, Eric had kind of an idea for a script and uh, sent it over to me and asked if I was interested in doing a version of it, um, put up with actors and with a little bit of production value behind it. And so we settled on doing a a stage reading where, you know, actors still have scripts in hands, but uh, it's up and it's alive and it's moving. And yeah, and that's where we kind of uh, got a sense of the production and how it felt and its rhythms and and how uh, it manifests especially because um there are some scenes that take place in this digital space and and it's kind of like humanizing what it uh, and uh humanizing what it feels like to message someone and like what would a heart react or a thumbs up look like if you did that in person what does it look like to see their message but not respond to it what does it, you know what does that look like in person and uh kind of figuring out what that visual language was. And it, we really threw it together in uh, a really short span of time, uh, in 10 days total. I received the script 10 days before we did wow. it. Uh, and you know, it really was beg, borrow and steal. I just grabbed as many uh, um, actors that I knew and trusted uh, close by and we uh, put it together in a mad dash. We went through about five drafts in mm. uh, a week. Wow. Uh, yeah, so it was really, 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 uh, quick turnaround, uh, and it had no right to be as good as it was. (laughs) uh, It really shouldn't have come together the way it did, but it did, and we're really grateful for it. And, um, the lovely John and Suzanne who run KXT, um, swung by to have a look and they loved it. And, uh, when it came time to pitch for them, um, for the season, uh,
0: uh, we just knew we had to and here we are yeah exactly and um can you tell us a little bit about this without giving it away of course a bit about the storyline of uh, Romboyd? yeah so um
1: the story follows these two young men by the name of sebastian and xavier and uh xavier is uh a a wonderfully charming and chaotic and witty and uh youthful kind of guy um and sebastian is more reserved still witty um but they have a real uh they bring a real kind of balance to each other and uh we kind of track their relationship over the course of about six to eight years um as they're finishing up year 12 um, going into uh, going into uh, university and then graduating and being a 20-something and then um, starting to that period in your mid-20s when um, weddings start to happen and you start to get invited there and mm-hmm. uh, just seeing how they grow and shape each other through the years and figuring out what they mean to each other and Um, Every scene kind of throws in this uh, wonderfully magical, sticky complication to um, how they see each other and what they mean to each other. Um, Are they friends? Are they um, romantic partners? Are they neither or both or everything and nothing? And it's um, really, really asking everyone to consider, um, you know, uh, what happens when your relationship doesn't fit into a neat little box? What mm. do you call that? Um, and what does that mean in queer bodies? What does that mean in um, people of colour? What does that mean when all of those things happen together?
0: I was actually going to ask you as well, you, you, just what you're saying there. Um, do you think there's, there's a difference being Asian-Australian play, uh, a queer play as well, um then just say an anglo-australian production what um what impact has that asian side of it taken in this play
1: um yeah i i think uh it was really special for eric and i um in our writer director relationship that um, we did have a story that followed a um a queer asian person and to be able to um demonstrate You know just how funny and messy and human uh they can be and that you know it's it's certainly not impossible and in fact um really joyous to have to follow uh, a queer asian man as a protagonist and um what energy that brings and um, we've had a couple of preview shows um Mm. and just to see the response just to see the responses and to see um the queer asian men of all different ages kind of responding to uh responding to that representation and responding to it It, representation matters and it's been seen time and time and time again and uh it's very rare to see a story uh, be put on the shoulders of someone uh, who's queer and asian um and it's something that we really felt that uh Sydney stages uh, but you know not even just there um, stages around the world could really uh, could really use a, a new perspective that maybe you haven't seen before
0: yeah um you talked about representation there How important do you feel or do you feel it's important at all that parts are played by queer actors or Asian actors? Uh, when it's the part is queer and asian uh for this particular production yes we did feel like it was very
1: important um it it, yeah i mean i'm kind of on two minds of this because there's Mm -hmm. a part of me that says that you know acting is an incredible opportunity for um someone who's not part of um a, a particular group to learn more about um a particular cult, culture or subculture or identity and um and come out on the other side of a show um like having a really embodied understanding of that but then there's also the other case of um giving the real the realities of having a uh, employing a queer asian person and paying them and drawing upon their um lived experience to um, empower a role as well um, and uh, you know it turns out uh, queer people don't all agree on everything all the time um, but at least um, within myself I always go well what um, the only people that we can really truly uh, do right by is the people that we're uh, working with and it, uh, if we arrive at the decision that's right for us then that's all we can um, then that's all we can do and um yeah but for this particular production uh it, we felt it was really important that the cast was um, some flavor of queer and uh yeah and it was um it's been really amazing in fact um in fact uh, we've really kind of accidentally become incredible trans allies and non-binary allies because um, I think out of the six crew members, four of them are uh, non-binary or trans. Oh, wow. um, and uh, the the main cast, um except for one of our understudies, is uh, is uh, identifies as queer. Yeah. Um, yeah. so um we really do have um, just by accident um, are really, really killing it on the representation side.
0: That's amazing. I love that answer. That's fantastic. Um, Thank you. I want to talk about, now you talk about your relationship with Eric, the writer. Mm. Um, Now, I know that sometimes now you're being director and you're working, uh, now correct me if I'm wrong, it seems like you've got a very strong relationship with Eric. How is that relationship uh, in terms of writer-director? Because I know in... uh, theatre sometimes your vision may not be the writer's vision how have Mm. you negotiated that and how um how's your relationship with Eric
1: yeah so um our relationship is like a writer director relationship is always really special um at least from my end of things that you know it's I always see being trusted with the first time a work is being produced and put on that it's a it's an immense privilege to be trusted with a story, and especially a story so personal to Eric, um, and that's something to be really grateful for. Um, yeah, and Eric has put a lot of trust in me as well, um, in order to do justice by the work because it's brilliant, brilliant writing. Um, yeah, um, but really, what it what it is it's it's about. Um, and i think yeah that's what it is it's doing justice by the work it at the end of the day it's about the story it's not about like whose idea is better it's about which idea is going to serve the story best um and uh and like it really helps put ego aside and um really focus on what matters which is um bringing these characters to life and building this incredible world that they inhabit and inviting everyone come opening night to uh to be a part of it as well. Um, yeah, so we've been working on this for over a year, just over a year now, working on this script, um, even though we've only started a production um, you know, six weeks ago, just under two months ago. Um, and uh, yeah, it's been a wild ride. Uh, lots of drafts, lots of, um, lots of discoveries made along the way. Uh, but now that we're here and the show is um, yeah, the show is real and alive and tangible, uh, I couldn't be happier with um, what we have to show.
0: That's amazing. Um, now, obviously with in theater, sometimes money can be tight and productions can um, have uh, restraints, I suppose. How do you balance um, your creative vision? with some of the restraints you might have in costing production, that sort of stuff.
1: Yeah. So um, it's, (laughs) it's, I guess kind of like the running gag that you have to beg, borrow and steal within the indie theater community that really, um, you know, like if you're in theater, it's because you love it because there's not, oh, um, there's not much funding put towards it. Um, but what that breeds is a creativity through constraints and you're kind of forced to be more creative because you can't just hand wave, um, something away and, um, cover it with a clever cut in camera. You can't, um, CGI something, although that does take a lot of work too. But, um, yeah, so really you're forced, um, to, um, Really fire on all cylinders with your creative brain, um, but also theater offers a lot of freedom. You know, the, the, mm-hmm. through the magic of theater, imagination is a powerful thing. And um, if if a performer is able to capture someone's imagination, if a, uh, it, you can, you can really. Um, I don't want to. I don't know. If get away with is the right word, but um, yeah, you can absolutely um, suck audiences into this um into this place where um it's it there's a lot of buy-in and forgiveness and um tolerance for the fact that it's um that it's literally just you and 60 people standing in a room watching someone talk for 90 minutes you know yeah um theater magical like that it makes yeah. you the rest of the world peel away
0: yeah um would you say that you've got a particular style in directing and how do you help the actors actually bring their characters to life
1: yeah so um in terms of style um yeah i've only very recently discovered that i'm i i direct like with m- music and dance and movement and rhythm quite a lot which was kind of a new discovery on this show um But yeah, I would like to say that I I love telling stories where cultures or subcultures meet and interact and um, renegotiate. Uh, I love telling stories with a real heart to them, you know? Um, And uh, I love experimentation and play and um, an organic kind of discovery. So uh, when it comes to um, working with uh, my actors in the room, Um, we spend a lot of time actually just really getting to grips with the text. We don't worry about what the final product is going to look like. Um, and we really just get to grips with, um, with what the, what the text is doing and a deep exploration of character so that when we come, it comes time to start, um, to start, um, in a very real sense. Um, figuring out where things are going to go, where people are going to stand, how people are going to say things that they know their character so well, that it actually becomes second nature for, for them to know, um, what's happening. And so my process is very actor driven, um, and giving them a lot of agency, um, and just taking very specific moments and crafting them and detailing them. Uh, yeah. And so, um, I would like to think that um, my process really empowers actors to um, follow their impulses, respond to one another and support each other along the way.
0: Has there been any uh, directors or anyone in the industry that's really inspired you and that you look to as an inspiration?
1: Oh, absolutely. Um, One of my dear friends, Amy Soule, I think everything that they touch uh, turns to gold. Um, they have an incredible way of holding space and, um, and they really bring, um, black ways of working and make it, uh, and make it so warm and, uh, so inviting. And so, um, yeah, you feel like a different person after being in their room. They're absolutely incredible. Um, I think Courtney Stewart, um, is incredible. Uh, She's currently the artistic director at LaBois in Brisbane. Um, She's an incredible director and um, juggles being a mother of two and an artistic director and a director and a activist um, and makes it look so easy. Um, And yeah, she does really, really incredible work. Um, Yeah, and then, a director that has really uh, sparked my imagination is um, a wonderful woman by the name of Sophia Bryant. Uh, she just did a show a couple uh, a couple of months ago called "Dumb Kids" at KXT as well, yeah. and uh, I I think she's incredibly talented and brilliant. And uh, yeah, I've seen a couple of uh, I've seen a couple of things that she's done, and she's always impressed. Yeah. Um, and yeah it it makes me kind of go oh wow i gotta keep on my toes like you know like i i better step up too if this is the quality of the people that uh, i call my peers you know um so yeah no those are three people that i think are absolutely just brilliant and killing it at the moment
0: yeah and as you said i mean i think um the quality of theatre at the moment is amazing. But how do, you, how do you see the scene in Sydney? Do you think it's thriving or has it died? Or how, what do you think of the Sydney right. scene at the moment?
1: Yeah, so the Sydney scene is certainly not dead. Um, mm. It's definitely not dead. I think that um, what we're, the quality of theatre at the moment is kind of booming mm. because um everyone's had uh, the lockdowns to kind of sit with the work and slow down and really pay attention to it. So once lockdowns were over, um, suddenly we had a lot of scripts that had a lot of thought and care and time put into them ready to be done. Um, So the quality of theatre at the moment and probably for the next few years is gonna be absolutely astounding. Um, Yeah. Um, and, yeah, Sydney Theatre is certainly not dead. Um, mm-hmm. There's a reason why, um, you know, the Opera House, you know, is, is one of the big symbols of Australia, and it's one of the few theatre buildings in that represents a country. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, it's certainly not going anywhere anytime soon. Um, yeah. Um, that doesn't mean that we're getting any more funding. That would be great. <laughs> it would be great, yeah. <laughs> that would be really great. Um, to get a little bit more funding and a little bit more support so that, um, so that, uh, people are able to not need a second job in order to, um, in order to keep the lights on. But, uh, but like I said, it's a real, um, it's a real uh, labor of love and, um, people are doing it because they care about it. And that's where the best work happens when people care.
0: Yeah, and people should get out and support local theatre as well. Go and see a play. Absolutely. Know. Absolutely. Um, there, I, I think now
1: more than ever, people are recognising um, the joys and privileges of actually leaving the house and, mm. um, and coming together and being in community and um, supporting others in your community, whether it be just by showing up or, um, yeah, even that's enough and um yeah and and theater is an amazing place to do that um, and to hear stories and to learn and to grow and to laugh and to cry and to just be um yeah it's it's a really wonderful thing
0: yeah um if a young aspiring director came to you what would you be what would be their your advice to them about how to get into the industry
1: how to get into the industry. Oh, boy. Um, honestly, give it a crack. You know, you, you're. Uh, I wouldn't be here if I didn't give it a crack and give it a red hot go and um, had no clue what was going on while I was doing it, flying by the seat of my pants. And um, yeah, uh, but give it a go, get involved, uh, volunteer, and really just see if it's right for you. Um, but there's so yeah, there's so many, um, I I can, I feel like I'm speaking for quite a few artists when it was like the pull, the draw, the, the yearning was just so strong that I couldn't see myself doing anything else. Mm. Um, and, you know, I've been very fortunate that I've been able to kind of make that a part of my career. Um, but yeah, it's honestly getting out there, volunteering, um, trying out for all the things, um, and learning on the job and, um, seeing everyone in the room as your teacher and sponging it all up because, uh, yeah, whether it's a professional production or, you know, like a uni, like review or um, a high school production, it doesn't matter. Like just the fact that you're able to be a part of it and, and feel that the, the, the theater bug, you know, you call it the theater bug um yeah. yeah um keep it alive keep it well um happy and healthy and um and you'll you, you'll go far with it
0: yeah um do you have a, a like a dream project you would want to get involved in or a uh collaboration that you'd love to do um what who would that be
1: oh my goodness so many uh, <laughs> uh, oh, God, is this interview going for another three hours? We could, but. Yeah, so, I mean, I would I would love to do a Greek tragedy, um, but be able to do it at, like, at scale, like, to have a bajillion dollars behind it and to be able to just sell the grandeur and the epicness of it. Um, in my personal opinion, um, Medea by Euripides is probably the best play ever, um and yeah, I would love to have a kajillion dollars to do that and um and to just sell the epicness and the grandeur and the height and emotions. It's all brilliant. Um I would love to do a show with my best friend Rakaya um she's a brilliant director as well and just like to do anything with her is a dream um she's uh she's the kookiest character in the best way um and uh even if we just did a little like drag night in our living room together just doing anything (laughs) um with her is just a blast and um there's a there's a brilliant play um called she kills monsters by queen Nguyen um, and it's queer and it's ner- nerdy D&D brilliance. Yeah. Um, it's about this um, older sister and her younger sister had just passed away um, as a teenager. And she's kind of, kind of l- l- to trying to connect with her sister posthumously um, through her D&D journals. And she finds out that she never came out as a lesbian. She never... Um you know, and and we you just see like just real just grief and mourning and loss, but also just the joys of fighting giant dragons and being like it's just the best, it's the best, and I'd love to do that, that
0: um, would be amazing, yeah. yeah um on a more practical level, what would be next for you after, um, uh, after after Rhomboid, what would be is have you got something lined up
1: yeah, so um i w- I've um, currently got a uh, a screenplay for a short film that I wrote called Wake Up Call. Um, and basically um, it follows um, this man uh, a, as he wakes up every single day and we just follow his morning routine and we see the, just his routine. Um, uh, and there's no dialogue at all. Um, And then one day he wakes up with someone else in his bed and we see kind of the life, um, the birth, life and death of their relationship and just through, just through movement and action. Yeah. And so I'm really excited to um, get that process rolling um, once I'm able to uh, let go of rhomboids in a few days. Yeah. so, yeah, that's um, that's my kind of first foray into directing a short film. And I'm really excited to um,
0: see what that looks like for me. Yeah, that sounds amazing. I've just been to the Queer Screen Film Festival and it's like, there's some amazing queer work out there at the moment. So oh, um, I hope you get that cool. up and running, definitely. Um, me too. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, and I do apologise about my dog to the listeners. <laughs> She's back in the background. Um, lastly, uh, last question. What keeps you motivated and passionate about directing and theatre?
1: Oh. Um, well, I, I, as someone who's in the industry, I, I'm quite lucky to, to have a lot of friends in shows doing things. Mm. Um, and, and so... Um, yeah in any given week i'm probably going to see someone i know performing in something and you know like um and just every so often there's just one show that uh that just makes you go oh god this is why i love what i do Mm -hmm. oh wow and yeah like throughout all of the hardships and all the challenges and um yeah all all of the things that you encounter um in the course of your artistic career um it's those moments that make you go oh wow this is this is what i'm doing it for and um yeah and and if you're so lucky to have that happen in your own show and you have that with yourself that's just um makes you feel like you're on the right track doing the right thing
0: that's amazing. Um, now, Rhomboid is currently playing at the King's Cross Theatre on Broadway. That's uh, Ultimo uh, on Broadway, corner of Mountain Street. This week, it's Tuesday to Sunday, the 9th of September. And you can grab tickets at the King's Cross Theatre website. And I just want to thank you very much for your interview today. It's been an absolute joy. It really has
1: oh thank you it's a pleasure to be here and um it's a pleasure to um have a space to be heard and listened to and
0: appreciate it so thank you hi mark hatton here producer of gay waves if you enjoyed this podcast please rate the episode and subscribe to the channel you can also get in touch with us our email address is gaywaves at 2ser.com find us on all social media channels just search Gay Waves thanks for listening